If not, I ask all of you to turn me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 is a scripture reading for today. And uh, coincidentally, this morning in the teen Sabbath school, without planning it, it happened that we're also on this verse, also on this, this set of verses. Uh, not the teen, as we call them, the youth, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. First chapter of the Bible, before sin, in verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. First direct vocal spoken commandments to Adam and Eve or to humanity. Well, last week, last week, as they had, had another new addition, uh, Jenna and Jiahao, congratulations. Uh, new baby is born. I think he's home. Uh, he went home last night. Uh, he had some jaundice, you know, so he had to stay for a few days, suntan. All like Asian babies, you know, we're like, we start off our life with sun tanning, you know, like, <laughs> like what's going on? Um, but we have been more babies uh, joining us, and uh, when we resume fully, man, the kindergarten class, the cradle roll, the, the primary class is going to be exploding. Uh, happy, I'm really excited, you know. When I first came to Aztec, there was like one person. That's Kimmy, right? Kimmy, you're like the only one, you know. You go up to the room, it's really big room, and uh, I just started, I think my second, third Sabbath, I went in and have a look, I opened the children's room, and Boom, it was Kimmy and her grandfather, Uncle Albert, and that's like, where's the children's class? I said, that's it. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm really excited, really happy that now we have so many people. So God's commandment, right, to fill the earth, where did it come from and why was that the first commandment to humanity? I chose this topic because of mothers. You know, I, even though I'm a father today, I can still, I don't dare to even say I understand mothers. Like, I didn't have to carry somebody for nine months inside. Like, I didn't go through the excruciating pain of giving birth to the kid. I didn't have to freak out every time I fall down, knock myself when I hit a cupboard or something, if that happens. Like, it's something that fathers, as much as we, we want to think that we understand, we cannot understand. Mothers, after carrying nine months, and then they go through that crazy pain, and then they give birth to a child, they participate that the word given to them is called procreation. They participate in the amazing God act of creating life. So amazing. Still today, I look at my son, I look at Lucas, I go like, how did that happen? You know, like, like he's a living person that thinks and acts and I had a little bit of a participation in that, but Tiffany did most of the work, but like, it's amazing. It's a gift to humanity to have children. And for those of us who are children, like, pause and reflect that your, your mom, now that you're like 1.82 centimeter tall, by like 1.82 meter tall, and then you used to be in your mom's stomach. You're like, womb, crazy. Like, you used to be like tiny. And then now you're like tall, taller than your mom and dad. Amazing. Like whenever I go home, like when I go with my mom, my mom's really short, like she's really short. And they always look at me and just like, how do you fit? I don't know, man. I don't know how I fit in my mom. Crazy, crazy thing. And for those mothers who've given birth more than one, like you went through one crazy experience and then you say, I'll do it again. 
You know, there's doctors who say that, that the mom's brain is affected for the first year or the second year of having a child. Their memory is kind of like affected. I think there's a reason. God's trying to help you forget so that you'll continue doing it. Mothers, amazing. And then you're like, you're like, if you're like my mom, like you will not stop worrying about your child even when he's 79. Worry, 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 worry. Like, I'm like, mom, I'm married. I have my own son now. Then she's like, now you understand. And it's true. It's true. Like, there's not stop worrying. You know, they keep thinking about how you are. Like, Daniel, your mom will be like, how's my son doing in Singapore, right? If your mom, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm like in university. I'm going to be a dentist. I, 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 I didn't starve to death, but your mom's still like, are you okay? <laughs> right, right? That love, that care is, is a glimpse of what is beyond normal human transactional relationship. As I shared in my previous sermon, it's like it, mothers honestly have not much to gain from the child. They have to give, 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 give. God, in His mercy, did not give me a daughter. If He did, my daughter will not get married till she's 85. Because I'll be like, oh man, boys are bad people. <laughs> I worry. Parenthood. But where did it come from? Where did it come from? And I'd like to suggest that it came from God Himself, the very essence of who God is. That the, the very verse that precede verse 28, the two verses, let's go to verse 26 and 27 in Genesis chapter 1 tells us where it came from. Where did it come from? Chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them do know. This is very important. A lot of people misread this and think that only Males are made in the image of God. Do read it carefully. It says, let us make man in our image and let them, let them, it was not male, it was them, and you'll explain later on. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then verse 27 explains, says, so God created man in his own image, comma, semicolon, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. And the him here doesn't refer to Adam. This him refers to God himself. He created for himself Adam and Eve as a reflection of who he is. It was in the original design that God was not, in, that God did not intend for people to be like by themselves, to be alone. Not saying that all of us have to get married, but we're all designed as a reflection of the image of God to be in community. God Himself lives in the Trinity as a community of three of them, and in an outward-focused expansion of their love, they created human beings. And He said, this is the best thing for you, and I'm inviting you to continue their experience. Be fruitful and multiply. Don't just like wither and die. 
the true experience of life. I'm not saying everybody should have children, but you should expand this community through various means. I have a friend who, who was adopted, and he told me the story of his adoption. It was not easy. It was not easy. Uh, the parents went through a lot of hoops, and jumped through a lot of hoops and to just to adopt him. And, and they were very open. They're very open from the get-go, the moment he could comprehend, they told him, you are our adopted son, but you're not a lesser son. They have other kids, right? So he was the only one that was adopted. And said, in fact, I told you this before, I told the son that those other kids, we had no choice, but for you, we chose you. Those, God just gave us to torture us. <laughs> then you, we chose you. And I asked him, hey, bro, did you ever feel any less of that family? Or did you ever think of, I should go look for my, my birth parents, and then you feel closer to them? He says, I don't hate my birth parents. I don't need to, but I don't feel the need to look for them because I don't feel I'm any less of my current family. Adopted is not a, a lowering of my status. In fact, in the family, it's an elevation of who I am. He uses it on his siblings, of course. He said, like, you guys, man, you're not chosen. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> right? He goes out he's saying that. But more than that, the parents, when they adopted him, they didn't give him extra privilege. They would have been signal, single him out from the other siblings. But they treated him exactly as one of their own. Adopting is an expansion of the community. It's part of God's plan. In fact, that is God's design. And today, actually, all of us are adopted into His family. And so let me explain this expansion that started from God, a trinity. There was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit who were sufficiently happy and joyful, but they didn't want to just stop there. They didn't need to create, but they chose to create. And in this creation, they experienced the expansion of love I, used to t I told Tiffany this, like when we got married, I thought that's it. That's love, and there's a lot of love, there's 100% love. And I don't understand how, after we had our kid, that God could expand that love. It is still 100%, but it's 100% more than before. And that is the experience God wants us to experience. In, in knowing Him, in experiencing love, in expanding the community, it's because God is love. And so in His, expan in his expansion, there was Adam and Eve, and followed by that, Adam and Eve have sons and daughters. We're not talking about Cain and Abel, the sad story. But it continued to expand when Israel was invited into this expansion of community. And today, the church, as an expansion of the original reflection of the image of God, is invited into this expansion of community. The church is a child of God. Not the, only the institution, but every individual in this congregation online and in person. If you're an orphan or if you are, you're separated from your parents, do know that in God's family, you are with parents and you are with family. So when I was in Andrews, there was a bunch of people that, uh, my students were divided into two groups. There were the people who are called the OCS. They're the single child people. They all have one child syndrome. And then there is the rest with siblings, you know. So there's this, this fun enmity over them, and they're always arguing about 
what it's like, you know. And it is the, the sibling, there's a siblings day thing in, in the United States, and the siblings will all show pictures of like my sister, my brother, and then they post pictures online and all that stuff. And then the, in, in order to spite the guys who are like single child, and then the single child will post pictures with like a whole bunch of other single child and says, guess who has more siblings? And it's really fun as pastors as we look at them and just like, you guys are so stupid. And just like, but for them, the single child was in a way forced to embrace non-blood-related fellow brothers and sisters in church as the siblings. And in fact, I see some of them and they look like twins. But they're not related by blood at all. And they're like, they, 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 are, they act the same, they think the same. And in fact, some of them, the siblings who later join us in Andrews University would say, hey, you guys look closer than we are, although we're blood-related. And that is the amazing thing that God is allowing us to participate in. That in His bond of love, which is the original design, it can even supersede flesh and blood. And ultimately, this expansion, this outward movement of God is God's intention to give life. In today's world, Christians are tasked to give life, not only physical, biological life, but true life, inviting others to, to experience it. And so the church, what have you been experiencing in God, is not something that you can keep to yourself. Because from the original command, God has been saying, be fruitful and multiply. Because by giving life, you experience life. And if anybody is chosen to be that one, in John 6, 63, it tells us that the Spirit is the one who gives life. The Spirit gives lives. If you ask me, hey, James, what does it mean that Spirit gives life? Just illustrating from the story of Jesus. People say the Spirit wasn't present. You know, it was like, New Testament is all about Jesus and His ministry. But did you realize, if you read carefully from the get-go, His inception was by the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit gave Him life, ordained His new life at baptism. And when He was crucified, the Bible is clear that who brought Him back to life in the resurrection was the Spirit. And from that example, I'd like to ask all of us, where is the Holy Spirit in your life? It's easy to talk about God the Father. It's easy to talk about Jesus. But I think especially for us as Seventies, we neglect the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. People come to me and say, Pastor, I don't experience this new life of Christianity. I say, have you invited the Spirit and allowed Him to give you life to get to start with? Has He given you the baptism of new life? I, when you were baptized, did you just feel like you went through a, a ceremony when you went into the water, but did you receive the gift that God promises to every Christian to receive birth of new life, spiritual life? And for those of you who are dead in sin, who wants to come back and receive God, did you ask God to give you the resurrection of life? You say, I've... I've backslided, I've burnt out, I've neglected God, my relationship with Him is no longer there. So have you sought for life itself? Or have you been trying to do it by your own words? How many people can resurrect themselves by working hard? So recently I got an invitation to 
to renew my CPR license, right? Every two years, it expires, you have to go. And every time I go, they give you updated on how you can save life. You know, it used to be like, you have to, you have to compress, and then you have to blow, you have to compress, and then blow, and then it says, no, 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 if you can, if you have only one thing to do, keep compressing. The blowing doesn't help very much. <laughs> like, what? I've been living a lie all my life, you know? Like, and so, uh, and, and, and then they talk about give, saving life. Has anybody... Anybody being able to resurrect themselves when they get a heart attack? You need somebody else to help you receive life. Just like a child cannot born them, like give birth to themselves, they need mothers to incubate, give, protect them, guide them, and then give life to them. But I think we've we've gone to a place as Christians that we want to rely on ourselves. I've just heard about this new gadget. Uh, that people install, those who have suffered heart attack and have recovered, but their heart has been scarred, they actually have a, you know, AED? AED is the thing you go, boom, right? Um, you can install a IAD, I think it's called, inside your heart. And it shocks you if you go into heart attack automatically. So you can install it, it's implanted into your heart, it's, it tracks your heartbeat uh, it traces it, and then if it can go into weird rhythms, it will you will kind of like try to pump it up, and if it doesn't, it gives you an electric shock and it shocks you up. I think that's like Christians today. They're like, I don't need CPR. I got the IAD in my heart. We don't want to rely on God's help, although God is offering it as available to us, but we say we don't rely on ourselves to, to find life. It's like a child trying to give birth to themselves. Ridiculous. Because one thing that you're rejecting when you want to give birth to yourself is you're rejecting the relationship that is offered. This is not just about receiving life. When a mother gives birth to a child, it is also a confirmation of a relationship that's been established for life. And God is offering this gift to all of us who is willing. But to be offered this gift is different from receiving this gift. Back to the adoption story. There's, uh, I'm going to change the names. Tom and, and Leanne wanted to adopt uh, a kid, right? And so they went to Bulgaria to adopt a child. And it, they went through three years of going through different processes to get, uh, get it approved. And finally, they had it approved. And the child was, was deemed as theirs. You know, the little girl was, was confirmed to be their, their, their girl. It was confirmed. It's a, uh, the, the letter, the document was sent to them. But, but then, they, as they were sharing the story with me, they were saying, you know, one thing that we realized that although legally the daughter is ours in the eyes of everybody, but we know she has not experienced life as our daughter until the day we are able to fly over to Bulgaria and pick her up from the orphanage. And so finally, the day, the day came when, when they could finally fly over. And when they flew over to Bulgaria, to, to finally receive their daughter back home, they receive an interesting um, birth certificate, you know. So usually when you, 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 you adopt, they don't do this, but in Bulgaria it's kind of s- interesting and special. They receive a certificate that is issued, renewed, a new certificate that's issued for the little girl. She's given a new name, and on top of that, the birth mother, biological birth mother, was changed from her biological mother to the adoptive mother. 
this only happens in Bulgaria. I don't think it works in other countries, but that's their law, their rule. When you adopt and it's successful, they issue you a new birth certificate. But that birth certificate, certificate means nothing until my friend picks up the girl, brings her back to United, the United States, and when she starts living the life in the new family that she's being adopted into. Many of us, I believe, has been adopted by God. The Bible says we've been all given the adoption. And we all understood it in our mind. We all receive it and says, yes, I'm an adopted child of God into God's family. But I'm afraid many of us have chosen to continue to live in the orphanage. That when God comes to bring us home, not to heaven, but to live in the new family of God's family, we have chosen to hold on to the old life of living in the orphanage without parents. And when God says, come and live in this new life where you have a father, you have a brother, you have the spirit in your life, we've said, no, maybe not. So the question today, church, is have you accepted God's gift to you? And part of this experience is allowing God to pour His love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 5 that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. It is not will be given. It is not later you receive, but has already been given. God has given Himself to you. Are you willing to receive him into your life and to experience and live this new life with God and to participate in this new life is to realize that God gives life to us but also through us that there are people waiting to experience and know about God through those who have received life so the job to start experiencing him is not to say God give, give, give receive, 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 but to ask yourself from now on, how can I participate in this life-giving expansion of God and start to give life to others? This COVID-19 rollback of the rules should be a wake-up call to the church. That maybe not only have we gone complacent and think things are going back to the normal, that we've also neglected there are still people around us who need us. There are still people who are separated from relationship. Even within ASDAQ, there are still people isolated since last year that maybe we have forgotten. That we are so careful to take care of ourselves that the church has forgotten to take care of others. Are there, is there somebody in ASDAQ that you've sat beside, you've chatted over potluck before the pandemic that you realize all of a sudden you've not seen this person for a year and a half? You've not visited You've not called this person. Maybe it's time that after the service today to pick up the phone and say, what are you doing for lunch today? To realize that maybe even some people don't even have somebody to eat with. They've been eating by themselves every Sabbath afternoon. To live the new life, we cannot just receive, but we must also challenge and aspire to give life. To first, to start that life-giving, you know, you must know where to receive that empowering life. Lucas is very clever. Lucas, uh, when, when, when he sleeps at night, he's still going through the, the journey of stopping his night feed. Um, but uh, we told him, we can only drink milk when the sun comes out. All right, when the sun comes out. When the sun is down, no more milk. Then you're like, hmm. 
Sun comes out, I'll find me. But the thing is, the very interesting thing is, he never ever asked me. He knows where his source of food come from. He knows that from the first day, mommy gave life through milk to him. Till today, if he depend on daddy, he may starve. And so he will go and he will wake Tiffany up and says, Mommy, when the sun just comes out, he says, Mommy, milk, Mommy, milk. And he will not bother me at all. Because you know, daddy can't give milk. Although it's formula now that we can make, daddy's unreliable, Mommy. That's good. He knows. But do we know where to find food? Do we know where to find life? Have you been seeking for life at the wrong places? Have you been seeking for life from the wrong source and have not received life and therefore we cannot give? So church, the life must come from God. Kelly Kapik says, the Spirit's work, His work is not limited to occasional, even repeated feeling. You know, Christians today seem to think that I will ask for it when I need it. Like Lucas, right? When it's sun, sunrise, when he's hungry, he go ask for milk. But God is not about that. If God only gave us life when we needed it, we'll all be dead. Life cannot stop. You know, He must continue to sustain us. You know, it's not in the occasional when we need it, when we want it, or repeatedly every morning He, he, he give us new life. No. God is in this work of slow, continu- continuous, organic, non-stop sustenance. And it's not that God has stopped giving, but we've forgotten that He's giving us life. And to receive this life is only to pause and reflect and realize where life is coming from. I don't know about you, but I took for granted I'll wake up this morning. I took for granted I'll come to church this morning and I'll preach this morning. But then, as I was going through my sermon this morning before I started preaching, I realized that I, I actually shouldn't take it for granted. I, I, I should realize that this is a gift from God that today I'm still speaking to you. Because this COVID has reminded me how quickly I can lose people in my life. There are friends who I hear that they, they contract COVID and a week later they are no longer there. I didn't even get to say goodbye. I didn't even get to see them. Life is so fragile. It's such a, a precious thing that we, because it's so invisible that we've taken for granted. But God doesn't forget, thank God. And continuously, He sustains, but not only biological, physical life, but our spiritual life. Like the olive, the Bible uses the term that we belong to God, we're owned by God. And a lot of people fight against that because they don't like being owned by somebody. But that's a misunderstanding because we are looking at the word from a very human way of thinking. In the Bible, being owned, it, it actually means more being connected. If you pluck an olive off from its branch, the olive starts to die. And you can preserve it to eat it later by putting salt and water and oil, whatever, to to preserve it, but it actually is no longer alive. The only way it can be alive is to continue being connected to the branch. And that's what the biblical idea of ownership means. The branch doesn't own in a way that it wants to control the olive and dictate how it grows and lives. But the ownership that the Bible talks about is, is continually sustaining and providing life to you. 
Do you want to be owned by something that actually can't give you any life? Or do you really want to be owned by life itself, God? So church, let us strive to give life. Let us strive to remember where life comes from. And let us receive life from the correct source. And ask the praise team to come and lead us in the closing song. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your love accompany us, and then, Lord, your grace be with us, and then, Lord, your spirit empower us and commune with us, that we'll be daily submerged, soaked in your life, that we'll be able to give life to those around us who are seeking life. And Lord, help us to remember our brothers and sisters that may be disconnected and isolated, and to challenge ourselves to move out of our comfort zone to bring life to them. We submit today into your hand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.